0: Turn with me, if you will, in your your Bibles to Matthew 7. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 29. That's on page 762 of your church Bibles, if you have one. Uh, You can also find it, of course, on the insert in your service sheets this morning. We're we're finishing up uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We've been on it for several weeks now. You could really do a whole long series on the Sermon on the Mount, but we've taken it very, very quick. Uh, And so this morning we're looking at really the last... The last three bits of, of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, these warnings that Jesus gives us. And so here, here's God's Word. Here, here's the words of Jesus this morning from Matthew 7, beginning in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thorn bushes? So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Um, Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God stands forevermore. Uh, all, we all probably remember just a couple of weeks ago when we experienced the very rare occurrence of the Met Office issuing a, a red weather warning for London. I think this is maybe only the, the second or third time it's happened since the system was put in place. Uh, I believe back in the 80s. We we pretty regularly get yellow warnings, don't we? Uh, which which most of us probably don't think. Very much of. Occasionally, we might get an amber warning, which which may give us a bit of pause. But a, a red warning is is pretty serious, isn't it? That's a very serious thing. You know, tie tie down your your trampolines, or you might not have it anymore. Uh, bring in your bins. The winds are gonna be are, are gonna be be strong. And to be fair, the winds were pretty pretty uh, uh, harrowing, weren't they? I check the BBC on the day pretty pretty often uh, to see photos of, of uh, trees lying down uh, you know, flattened by the winds. Uh, even a video of a, a church spire blowing off the, the top of a church and, and falling to the ground. The whole point of a warning is to, to get our attention, isn't it? And to get us to, to take action to protect ourselves. Which is why when we, we read these warnings from, from Jesus... This morning, I think we ought to pause and take notice. You may have found them uh, disturbing or, or troubling as I read them, and, and if you did, then congratulations. Actually, you're, you're getting the point of what Jesus is, is wanting you to feel. I found them disturbing myself as I studied them this week. They should cause us to both look at our church, our local church, Grace Church, as well as to, to examine our own hearts. I'm going to be slow this morning in, in providing comfort. And I won't be explaining away these warnings this morning because, because the, the whole point of them is, is Jesus wants to get our attention and to prepare us for what we experience in the Christian life. These warnings are, are actually loving and gracious of Jesus because he's looking to protect us as people from those who would do us harm. Uh, this also happens to be the end of his sermon the Sermon on the Mount. We've been, we've been going through it uh, for several weeks now, as I said earlier. And now we see, we've seen Jesus uh, begin with uh, blessings, what are called the Beatitudes, the blessings. And then he's laid out his moral teaching, the things that he, he wants us to, to do, the, the things he's calling his people to be obedient to. And now he finishes with, with warnings against both false teachers and false faith and also false security. those are actually our our three points this morning. False teachers, false faith, and false security. So first let's look at this warning against false teachers in verses 15 through 20. One of the the themes of the Sermon on the Mount has been that that Jesus has been taking uh, the the Old Testament and expounding upon it. This uh, this warning against false prophets would, would not have been new to the people who he was speaking to that day, who were gathered on the hillside. In fact, probably most of them would have thought back to to Deuteronomy when Jesus started talking about these false prophets where where God laid out for the the children of Israel his people uh, wandering in the desert wilderness and expounding upon how they would know if a prophet was was genuine or not. So the way they were to know was was, was by the result of their teaching. That's what God told Moses back in Deuteronomy. If the things they they taught in God's name came to pass, then that was one sign that they were they were sent by God, but the other was was just as important if if their message was consistent with the things that God had had previously revealed, if for example they told the Israelites to follow other gods, then they were false prophets and and should be stoned so the 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 sign coming to pass as well as the the message being consistent with what God had previously said. So Jesus actually says much the same thing here, doesn't he? But he does it within a new context. First we need to clarify what's Jesus talking about? What does he mean by by a prophet? I would argue that he's he's actually referring to ministers and teachers in his church. All the Old Testament prophets were were pointing forward to to the coming of, of Jesus. And thus all of the New Testament prophets are are not offering new revelation, but they're they're pointing back to Jesus and that's actually how we know they're genuine uh, the, the book of Revelation says that that uh, the testimony of Jesus is is the the spirit of prophecy Jesus is, is here laying the the foundation for for authority in his church so how do we know that a minister or a teacher is sent by Jesus to to care for his people and to, to speak his word to them Well we know by their fruit don't we. That's what Jesus says. It's, we know by the result of their work, the, the content of the message, and by the life that they live. Jesus is saying here that, that if the result of a minister's work is to, to leave people more, more broken than when, when they first arrived, then their, message is, their the message they're teaching is, is actually disobedient to Jesus' words. If the lifestyle of, of the minister is hypocritical to that of God's word, then steps need to be taken to protect God's people from that man. See, this is one of those those areas where we have to be both both humble and bold. See, we have to be humble and not assume that that these men don't exist in our circles. You know, we're we're a a, a church that that highly values the the word of God and the preaching of God's word. We think uh, we we've, we've got really good. Uh, doctrinal statements, don't we, in the, the Westminster Confession of Faith and the, the Catechisms. We often think that, that these men that Jesus is warning us against uh, don't come about in our circles. They're men outside of our church. They're in, they're in traditions that, are, that open themselves to these kinds of abuses. You know, maybe they have a bad understanding of the Bible or theology. And so they're particularly susceptible to false teachers. Maybe they're cults, like the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons. To be fair, I think Jesus is talking about those groups as well, those false teachers. But Jesus is also, in fact, speaking to us. He's speaking to Grace Church Hammersmith. And he tells us we have to assume that, that, that there are evil men out there who, who would seek to do us harm, that exist in our, in our circles and in our churches. And that's Jesus' whole point in warning us against these these men. He says they they look like us. They may look friendly to us. They may be incredibly gifted teachers. They may bring in big crowds of people or or small crowds. But the point is that we have to be careful to not be too naive. While also not not judging too harshly either. Not assuming every single minister fits this description. So when Jesus tells us uh, we'll know them by their fruit, he's saying that that it may actually take some time, but eventually the truth will out. These men will expose themselves for who they really are. Now, whether you've been in the church for a long time or not, you've probably uh, heard of situations where uh, after years of, of ministry, the, the abuses of a minister come to, to light. It's incredibly painful. It's painful not just because of the great harm that was done to the church, but it's painful because of the great harm that was done to individuals. Individuals who who Jesus loves. There have been several cases that have come to light recently, even, even here in, in London. Some of you may have experienced this. And if you have, I'm sorry. And I hope that Grace Church will be a place that's that's a place of healing for you. And I hope that as your minister, I'm able to, to help protect us from, from false teachers. But when we hear about our or experience the, the destructive fruit of, of false false prophets, false church leaders, then actually we can begin to, to grasp how loving this warning from Jesus is, can't we? See, Jesus warns us because he knows that that actually we're we're drawn to these sorts of people, aren't we? Our hearts are are, are easily deceived and drawn. And so He doesn't want us He doesn't want us to be naive. He wants us to, to protect ourselves. And he wants us as a church to protect the vulnerable in our midst from those who would do them harm. Now lastly on this point, who's, who's actually responsible for finding out these false teachers? And the answer to that is, is on some level, every one of us is, is responsible. Every one of us is responsible to, to guard ourselves and to, to guard one another from, from these false teachers. You should be on your guard, and you should be on the lookout. But I also want to underline the fact that, that at Grace Church, we're, we're what's called a Presbyterian church. And that means that we're, we're connected with, with other churches. We, we have accountability to other churches and other church leaders. And part of the responsibility of those, those other leaders is, is to hold one another accountable and to be on the, the lookout for the wolves that Jesus talks about here. And we don't always get that perfect. But what I want us to, to understand as a, as a new church is that, that there is a place for us to turn when you have concerns, or whether, whether that's about me, or whether that's about a, a future minister or elder of this congregation. We're, we're under the authority of a wider body who are under the authority of Christ Jesus. And they take seriously this, this warning from Jesus so this first warning is really a warning against those who would, who would abuse God's truth. But our second warning is to be aware of, to be aware of false faith. Another way of saying this is, is to be aware of, to be aware of the, the abusers of God's power. What's Jesus say? Look back at verses uh, 21 to 23 here. What's he say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now these verses tend to make, tend to make people really nervous. If you've been around the church, then, then you may have read these verses. And you've probably at some point thought could that be me? Or, or how is it that someone can can do all these these incredible works, these things that Jesus names, and not be a true believer? I can't do any of those things. So where does that leave me? You see, Jesus this morning hits hits both ends of the church spectrum, doesn't he? He's talked about uh, he, he's he's talked about people who, who probably fall into more into our church church categories, more into our church our structure. You know, people who, who, uh, uh, who you know, teachers who, who lead people astray. But now he's talking about the people who, who appear to be really on fire for the Lord. You know, the, the really exciting people. The people who claim to do these incredible works for Jesus. And you've heard about these folks. Some of you have maybe had experiences with them. And these are people who, who have great vision for the church. And they want to show dramatic signs in in order to to prove that God's at work in their ministry. They're incredibly earnest, aren't they? Jesus says that they come to him saying, "Uh, Lord, Lord, you know, they're they're really earnest people. They're really passionate about Jesus. But the problem is that they're Jesus says that the problem is they're so passionate about showing the power of Jesus, or they're so in love with with the mission of Jesus. And seeing their churches grow. That they never stop to actually fall in love with Jesus himself. Jesus says to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He's saying, you're you're really passionate about me. But you've never actually been intimate with me. You've never opened your heart to me. And the question that we're all, all asking is, how could... How could they do these incredible signs if they aren't genuine? And there's actually a rather ugly but I think straightforward answer to this question that as a a church we have to face and I think Jesus wants us to face it and that is that, that the devil will do anything he can to lead God's people astray even empowering his servants to invoke the name of Jesus to do it. We've already seen how, uh, in, in Matthew's Gospel how, how Satan tried to attack Jesus himself and lead him astray when he tempted him in the wilderness. He does the same to the church and often takes on the guise of, of a friend, even a, a powerful servant of the Lord, in order to, to deceive. And Jesus says we should, we should expect this because, of, because as his, his people, we're at, we're at war with Satan and all of his minions, and they, they don't fight fair. We've seen a real world example of that recently, haven't we? In, in the, the early days of the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, there were reports of, of Russian operatives in the, the capital, Kyiv, and they were dressed as Ukrainian soldiers in order to deceive and murder. And there was a, an outcry over it because uh, it's actually a, a war crime under the Geneva Conventions to do that, to try and dress up as, as friendly soldiers in order to deceive and to kill. What Jesus is saying here is that that Satan doesn't play by the rules. He uses people who who look like they're doing Jesus' work in order to try and lead astray and ultimately devour those who would follow Christ. And I know there are people with us this morning who've, who've felt hurt by being taken in by people like this. People who want to use the name of Christ to build their own following who want to claim to do signs and wonders in, in his name. And I know that's a, that's a painful thing. Just like it is to suffer under someone who teaches falsehood and would seek to manipulate God's word, to, to manipulate you. It's a, it's a painful thing. And I want to say again, I'm, I'm sorry if that's been you. And I hope that will be a place that's, that's healing for you. But I also want to give us both a word of caution and a word of hope on this point just to caution us I know on our, our last point I said we need to be careful not to assume that everyone who is a, a great teacher is safe on this point I want to caution us that that not everyone who claims signs and wonders as, it, not everyone who claims signs and wonders is a ser- servant of Satan there are actual genuine believers and genuine ministers of the gospel in some of these churches that, that claim signs and wonders and even though we would take a very different view on, on the spiritual gifts Uh, The signs and the wonders there. There's genuine faith and love for Christians there, and and we should be we we should be thankful for our brothers and sisters wherever they are and whatever churches they are in. But again, the question is how do we how do we tell the difference? And the answer to that is is once again to look at the fruit. If we go back to the the Beatitudes where Jesus began his sermon, what are the marks of his followers? Who are the the people who are truly blessed? Are they the great teachers? Are they the workers of of signs and wonders? No. What does Jesus say back in the Beatitudes? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who who mourn. Blessed are those who, who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And so on. See, Jesus begins with the, the marks of his followers and he ends with the warnings against those who would, who would lead those, lead us astray. Precisely because he knows how easily our hearts are led astray. But also because he knows that there are people out there who, who would do it. But when you look carefully, you can, you can see how stark the contrast is, can't you? There's good news and encouragement here as well. It may seem a bit backwards, but the encouragement in, in both of these points is that Jesus will judge all the false teachers. And he'll judge all the false miracle workers. He's going to judge every last one, and, and none of them will escape his judgment. Every one of them will, will come to him, and, and, and they'll even try and argue their case. Did you notice that? Did you notice what they say to Jesus? They're, they're coming to Jesus at the judgment, and they try to deceive even him. Look at the things we did in your name. Look at the the incredible works that we've done. We did it all for you, Jesus. It says that Jesus won't won't be taken in. The good news is that that even when, when we may be taken in for a season, that even when we see others taken in by these wicked men, that Jesus knows who his people are. And he will judge those who aren't. Some of you are wondering, how is that good news? Isn't it terrible? terrible to be under the the judgment of God, yes it is but it would be a far worse thing to allow evil to go unchecked and unpunished one of the the wonders of the gospel is that that God's sending his son into the world as our loving and gracious savior, he's also sending him as the king and the righteous judge who out of love for us warns us to watch out for those who would do harm to us and he punishes them for the evil that they try to commit against him and his people. And he does it because that's what a proper king does, isn't it? That's what we desperately need, is a real and proper king. And that's why we have to take seriously and personally his, his third and final warning to us this morning. Jesus warns us in verses 24 through 27 against false security. Jesus moves from this warning; his, these warnings to to the church to to finish his sermon with a warning to to us as individual believers. He's inviting us to reflect on our own hearts and be really honest with ourselves about where we stand in relationship to him. I think there's three things that that he tells us here. First, we all have to build our lives on something. Don't we? Jesus calls us to, to build our lives on obedience to his word. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. On the other hand, the one who who doesn't obey Jesus' words, who doesn't listen, is like a man who who builds his house on the sand. We all have to build our lives on something, don't we? We all have to build our houses somewhere. And we all intuitively know this because we're all all actively doing it. Every single person in, in this room, in this city, in the world, is building their lives on something. So the question is, what are you building your life on? When we look around at, at, at our, our friends and our family, what are they building their lives on? Some it's their careers. Some it might be influence or power. Increasingly, we're seeing people building, building their, their house, their lives on good deeds, bringing justice to our world. These things actually feel pretty pretty good and pretty safe, don't they? We're drawn to the sand, aren't we? Just like we're, we're drawn to the sand. You know, you go on holiday. Where are you drawn to? You're, you're drawn to the beach. You want the closest house to the beach. You want to be right up on the sand. Why is that? Because it feels luxurious. And it feels beautiful. And we all want the place with a view when we go on our holiday. That's what all the stuff we put our, our trust in feels like, isn't it? It can feel beautiful and it can feel really good. And to a certain extent, it can even feel safe. But what's going to hold up when trouble comes? That's the question Jesus asks. Because the second thing that Jesus promises, the second thing he tells us here, is that there will be trouble in life. It's practically a a promise or a guarantee, isn't it? Jesus doesn't doesn't promise that that, uh, building your house on the rock will prevent the storms from coming. He's, he's actually quite straightforward about it. He says that we're actually subject to the same storms as everyone else. And there's no way to avoid the storms and struggles of life. At some point in your life, if you haven't already, you're going to face real suffering. And real sorrow. And that's when we begin to, to ask the questions, isn't it? How is our household holding up? How are the things that we've, we've put our trust in? How is our foundation standing? How are the things you put your, your trust in for security lasting? I think there's a lot of people in our world today finding their foundations being tested. Yeah, have you have you put your trust in, in money or influence? How's that working out with, with the increased cost of, of utilities and the, the growing cost of living? How's that going with the interest rates on your your mortgage suddenly increasing? Starts to feel at least a little bit fragile, doesn't it? Have you put your trust in your your ability to make the world a better place and to bring about justice? How's how's it feel when you see two million Ukrainian refugees and counting fleeing for their lives from a war that was started by a tyrant who no one can seem to hold accountable? See when we come to terms with our with our insecurity we begin to feel our need of a God who who holds all of these things in his hands and who can make them right forever and the whole point that, that Jesus is getting at is that this life is is really a, just a taster session if your foundations struggle to hold up under under these these things these 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 passing Days of suffering. How will they hold up on the day of judgment? When placed under the scrutiny of Christ himself. That's the warning he's giving us here. That's actually the third thing that Jesus is getting at. When the storms of life or the the storms of eternal judgment come crashing down. Our survival is directly tied to the object of our faith. Our survival depends on who or what we are trusting in. It depends on our obedience to Jesus. See, what Jesus has been driving at this whole sermon, a sermon that he he gave in a a single uh, afternoon or morning, one that we've spent several weeks on, the whole, whole thing he's been driving at is that we are lost and broken people trying to build our lives on whatever feels right and good and safe in that temporal moment. But Jesus says that that what we really need is to feel our need of Him, to gain eternal perspective. That's why He says we're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness outside of ourselves. That's why He says we need to desire to be obedient to a law that we can't be obedient to in our own strength. That's why He tells us to, to long for a place of greater safety and and a savior who can protect his people, and bring justice to those who would do him harm. See so what we've heard in the Sermon on the Mount is, is really the very heart of Jesus towards people like us. It's the heart that 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 offers righteousness because he is wholly righteous. It's a heart that offers security because he is he is because there's no one greater or more powerful in heaven or on earth where we could seek shelter and the question that we're, we're left with at the end of the sermon is how do you respond to the calling of Jesus Matthew gives us actually a glimpse of the reaction of the people who heard this sermon in person doesn't he they were amazed because this man who spoke spoke with an authority they'd never heard before in this world I don't think we're, we're that different from these people we've heard it all before haven't we We've heard it all. We live in one of the most sophisticated cities and cultures in the world today. We've, we've heard it all. You're familiar with, with you know the things that, that our, our world tells us we should be trusting in. But when you stop and listen to the words of Jesus, do you not find them astonishing? Have you ever heard anything like this anywhere else? You see, this is a man who spoke with real authority and each of us who has heard him has has an obligation to carefully consider these words. So let Jesus challenge our own hearts, and to find in Him a refuge from the storms of our lives, and righteousness that can cover even our sins. Let us pray.